All right, welcome to the Joe Danier podcast. I am Joe Danier. This is like day three back from my vacation, and uh, yesterday freaking sucked. Like my ba- my body was readjusting to my schedule and my wake up time and the things I was eating and the things I was doing. And while most of it uh, is better because I'm you know most capable when I'm in my my regimen, uh, it feels like shit when you're going through it because as your body adjusts, it does not feel great. It makes it it's sort of like that a hangover psychological hangover, physical hangover. It, it doesn't feel great. Anyway, uh, so I was looking uh, again over some of the trending things. And of course, when the lottery goes over a billion dollars, people really get into the conversations of what would you do if you won a billion dollars? And I love the discussions that people are coming up with. So I'm going to, in real time, I have not thought about what I would do if I won a billion dollars, but I'm going to think about it. Like there's a couple approaches that you got to hit. Right. You want to, you know, you want to accomplish certain things like you want to make sure that you don't have to win a second one. Right. That's pretty important that if you're going to luck your way into winning a lottery, that you want to keep enough of it that you don't run out. And then, you know, 20 years from now, have to win a second one, especially if you're not very good at anything and you don't have the ability to earn a billion dollars. This might be the last billion that you see. All right. So practical. Let's see. What do I want to do? I want to make sure first that nobody knows that I won the lottery. So I got to already plan to stay under the radar and maybe, I don't know, can a corporation, can I, can I start a business that wins the lottery? Can I, uh, you know, put the winnings in some kind of trust that masks it so no one will know that I won? Do they, do they keep it anonymous so nobody finds out? Because I'm sure the media would love to know who turns in that ticket. So first of all, let's go practical. So I, I, I'm, I'm sitting there, I have my ticket, I'm watching the TV, the TV tells me what the numbers are, I look, and I see that I have a winner. Now, this little piece of paper that's in my hand is now worth a billion dollars. Like, how do I even treat that? How do I not let it blow out the window or, or whatever? So I, I've got to first prepare my ticket so that I could put it in some kind of like safety mechanism so that it gets heavier and harder to steal and harder to lose, right? So maybe I'll get a couple of... Um, Maybe those those big plastic cases you put collectibles in that lock and it's really big and I can hold on to it like it's the size of a book. And that way, it you know, it's not going to just flutter away. It's not going to catch on fire. It's got some protections. And so I don't know what the process is like. I don't know if you like take it to the convenience store and, and they tell you what to do or you go to your local lottery commission and they tell you what to do or you have to drive to the state. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. So let's just say I'm going to guess that I probably uh, I need to look up the address for the place that I'm going to take my winning ticket. So I got to have the mechanism that keeps it safe and I got to know where I I take this. So I'm probably standing in line at this lottery thing. Uh, maybe they'll even come to me. Maybe they'll find out that I was the winner and maybe they'll already, uh, you know, have some, send someone out to my house with, with the armored guards to protect my new winning. So that's first and foremost is the protective and knowing what to do next. And don't talk to anybody who's not with the lottery commission. Cause I'm sure that everybody and their brother comes out and tries to sell you stuff, borrow money and whatever. That's the anonymous part. I don't think I'm going to go on social media and say, hey, y'all, I just won the lottery, you know, because that would start a chain of chain reaction of uh, a set of events that I probably would not make things easier. All right. So I got my ticket in the 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 safety mechanism. I go into we'll say Austintown because I think there's one over there. So I'll go to Austintown, Ohio. I'll stop at the lottery office and I'll I'll check in and say, hey, um, I want a billion dollars. Can you help me? 
And then uh, they'll probably sit me down and have have some paperwork for me to fill out and give me the rundown and maybe give me some index cards of people to call and uh, and warn me that, uh, you know, uh, gambling's an addictive thing and don't do it anymore. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I give them my stuff and they get the process happening. Now, I guess they might give me some choices. I think you can get a lump sum or you can get a like a, a monthly payment or a yearly payment for the rest of your life or something like that. And I think if you get lump sum, you pay more in taxes. Uh, I don't know. I don't check the math, but I don't necessarily think you can make a bad, uh, you know, bad, you know, you make a, a, a bad choice on that. I don't think you can, because I think even if you split up, let's just say a billion dollars, you're still getting in the tens of millions per year. And uh, for most of us, that's, you know, plenty to get you by from month to month. Um, but I would probably, uh, I don't know what I would do. I got to decide because I'm going to win this thing. I got to decide. So I would probably say, give me a month or, or year to year. I don't want the lump sum let them pay it out over 20 years or a lifetime or whatever, because it's still a healthy chunk and I'll have every something to look forward to every year as I get my little, you know, lottery payment that I can turn around and, and do stuff with. Um, and I can always take a loan on, you know, the, the state, the state's guarantee that money. I can always take a loan against what my winnings would be in the future if I would need it. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do month to month or, or year to year, whatever they end up doing. And uh, now I've got my protective gear. I've, I know where the place I'm going. I know what I'm going to decide. I have the paperwork ready. I have my license. I maybe need my birth certificate so that I can prove who I am. And now I can sit back and start um, dreaming about where the money's going to go. Like the first check. Let's. I, I didn't do the math. Like what is a billion dollars divided by 20 years? And let's just say that I'm going to pay half of it. So $500 million. So my calculator even goes up that far. 500 million divided by 20 years equals 25 million a years after taxes. So I got a plan on where up what I'm going to do with 25 million. So I guess the investing the, the the millions part in things that are going to take anxiety away from me. Maybe I don't want to. Not going to go buy a Lamborghini. I'll probably uh, do all the practical stuff first, like make everything solid. Like if I if I take my net worth and I see that liabilities column, I'm just going to buy myself out of that liabilities column until it's a big fat zero. But then I got like a lot of money left over after I retire my liabilities and I got to park it somewhere because I don't necessarily think you could just go to the bank and make a $20 million deposit. Right. Um, so I'm going to have to look into financial institutions that will allow me to make a big enough deposit to, even if it's not invested, just to have it somewhere. So it's not like in my mattress or whatever. Cause I think the bank only lets you put like a hundred thousand dollars in. Um, so I would probably take, you know, we have a, a local guy, uh, John Arnold, and he is amazing with picking stocks and managing investments and, and stuff like that. So I'd probably take a big sum of money and I'd, I'd put it in his lap and say, hey, I just need to draw off this when I need it. I'm going to give you like green light to do whatever you can with it or need to with it to just like keep it parked somewhere where I'm not, I don't need to make a bunch of money on it, but I also... Um, you know, don't want to lose it, make it, I want it accessible. So if I want to go buy something, I can. So, okay, do all the practical stuff. Uh, then you, I guess you have two other components. You have have the have fun portion, and then you have the philanthropic, uh, maybe the third one where you have, you know, 
create some investments, create some stuff that will put more money in the bank as you invest it. Uh, so, so far I protected it. I knew where I went. I signed my life away. I picked the yearly option, 25 million coming in for me, paid my taxes on it. So 25 million comes in. I give it to John Arnold. John Arnold parks it somewhere. I maybe take, uh, you know, I've got 24 million something left uh, for the year, for the first year. Uh, I have no liabilities. I have money in the bank. Um, I don't stop working because part of my passion pursuits is helping people with their businesses, right? So I would just have a, a, a larger uh, tool to be able to buy equity in companies that will allow me to sit at their conference table and help them with their business. So I'm sitting at the conference table. I can, you know, buy into a lot more operations and a lot more varied, uh, you know, disciplines of or industries. And so, so far, I, might, I grow my portfolio of equity ownership in companies that are have big growth potential. Um, I don't know that I buy need to buy anything. I, I think I've always wanted maybe a, um, I wanted, to, okay, two things. Number one, I, want, I, I saw this guy at the beach one time, and he put this um, sail, like a, not a parachute, a parachute. So he had a parachute, but he had this big fan on his back. And he flipped the parachute up and turned the fan on and he like launched into the air and here this dude's just kind of cruising around, uh, you know, going out over the ocean and landing on an island, checking it out and then launching himself back up and, and moving around. So I, I kind of want to do that. I want to buy a setup that allows me to put a fan on my back and, and jump around in, into the island. So you got this little personal, you know, aviation device that allows you to you know, travel through the air. I've always wanted to fly, uh, but maybe I buy a plane. I mean, what kind of plane can you buy for 24 mils? Probably a pretty good one. I don't know how to fly, so I'd have to probably hire, uh, you know, uh, an aviator. Now, you know what? I skipped a step. Maybe, maybe I should have like an accountant and a lawyer picked out too, so that I don't do something stupid. Like maybe I need to protect myself against myself. I don't know, but I think I'm going to add that to the list. So I got a protective box. I got my uh, social security number, know the address, uh, pick out an account and an attorney, give the remaining stuff after I retire my liabilities to John Arnold to park my money. And now I've got a draw where I have maybe paced myself at a couple million to uh, to invest in equities in, in companies, fun stuff. So I got to buy a paragliding outfit and the, maybe a boat. Like, I don't, I don't know that I would, I don't know that I would do a boat. I don't know if I'd want to pull a boat around or have it. Maybe, it, maybe I just rent a really nice boat when I want one. Cause I don't, I don't want to be on a boat a lot, but maybe someone has a really nice yacht or boat that they'll let me rent uh, when I need it. Oh, and same thing with an airplane. Like I don't really need to own an airplane. Maybe I just want to rent one when I need one. The theory is that uh, I used to buy DVDs, you know, $20, $30 at a time. And when I started dividing how many times I watched a DVD a second time, like 80% of them, I never watched a second time. Only 20% I did. So I started renting DVD or renting movies at six bucks a time. And even if I had to watch this or pay a rental fee for the same movie that I've already seen over the cost averaging, like I was still 
way ahead of, you know, when I had to buy the CDs outright. So that's that same theory that maybe I don't want to own anything. I just want to rent other people's because I think there's a surplus of everything in this world and proper negotiation can probably, even, even though you might not be able to go to planerentals.com or boatrentals.com, I might be able to see one that I like and make a little offering and say, Hey, can I rent that? I'll, I'll give you 10 grand if I could take that out on Lake Powell this weekend. And there's, Probably some people that would sit, would tell me yes because I got, you know, I'm a lottery winner. But how would I keep it in long term after I start doing something? How could I keep it long term that nobody would find out? So Because I have to defend against. Like even now, I get a ton of people that show up at my conference table that try to, you know, get in the door and then make put on some kind of scammy sales pitch or pyramid scheme sales pitch. And I, I'm, I've done a pretty good job of keeping those people at bay and insulating myself from those sales pitches. But when you know, everybody knows you have, you know, a, a money incoming uh, there, they'll line up to be able to find you. So I'll, I'll try to keep it on a DL. I don't know that I can forever. But if, um, if, if I do, if it gets out, then I'm going to have to make it so the money is, uh, you know, hard for me even to get to like almost make it. So I tell John, no matter what happens, I don't have access to this money without, you know, I can't get to it within seven days. So making the first part is making it easy so I can pay off stuff and buy stuff and enjoy it. But then the second part is making it a little bit more difficult. So if, you know, Jane Smith comes through the door and gives me a sob store and I feel super bad for her and I want to help her with something that my emotions don't get in the way, I'm able to walk away from it, think a couple days later that this was stupid and then pull the plug on Jane Smith and not give her, you know, a million dollars because she was rescuing geese from the Arctic, that kind of a thing. And so maybe, maybe that's the second strategy. Uh, and then, Long term, I mean, after you've kind of blown through the first 25 million in the year, especially in my world, I think I'd be kind of done. The second 25 million would be great, but I think I could start doing some a lot of philanthropic. Maybe the first year, like I said, I got 20 million left uh, that I start doing. Like, what 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 would I even want to do philanthropically? Like, what trigger would I want to pull to help people out? Uh, Here's here's what I've been stewing over for a little while: a business incubator. So having people, you know, I, I want kids that come out of high school to come out of high school and have something that they can start developing without having to, you know, go to a college because there, there really ain't, there, there really aren't many colleges that are, you know, small business oriented. They, there's business colleges, but they're, they're, they're not small business colleges. So that's what I want to do. I want to do an incubator. I don't want to call it an incubator because I'm going to spoil it by calling it an incubator because that's not really what it is. It's a small business college that I'll open that when you come out of high school and maybe you're, you don't you know, really see the traditional track as something that's in your best interest, that you can pick my small business track, go to a place that's this small business, but it's a, a sort of like a transparent small business. It doesn't hide the wires and, and the, the sausage making, it puts everything on display on for the, the business process. And so you work in this company that exposes the process to the people who want to learn. And then you have professional mentors that I can pay to be able to do it the right principled, you know, moral right way. And then uh, those students can learn how to do business at the same time being in the business that they're, you know, they're, they're serving. And then I can fund it with my 20 million where I can create a bunch of entrepreneurs uh, from, you know, I, I've always had my mind on uh, environments that people, you know, pretend are inescapable. Like we live in the country where there's opportunities everywhere, but sometimes those opportunities, you got to chase them down. And, you know, I've we've been around enough people know that they want opportunities to be delivered to their 
you know, front porch or they're too hard to get to. There's the, the sacrifices you have to make to chase these things down or sometimes, you know, you got to be mobile and you got to be willing to be dynamic. So catching kids when they're early on in their, their life before they have a bunch of these liabilities that they've created that keep them from being nimble, um, you know, giving them the entrepreneur spirit to take risks and to chase down things in a different state or a different part of the country, uh, you know, timing is, is super key. And I'm not against traditional education. I just think that it's not for everyone. It wasn't for me. I went, it took a whole, you know, maybe one semester, a portion of one semester before I realized it was really expensive and I wasn't getting a whole lot out of it. I can get much more by going and purchasing the information I needed to know right now. I can get through it a lot. I could take it a little bit more serious because I think college and traditional education lulls you into a process. So it takes you out of it and you're sort of like getting on a train that's already moving. And then now you're sort of like you're, you're, you know, dependent on that train moving you in the right direction. And what doesn't, when it doesn't, then, you know, you're going to be mad or you're going to be underserved, one of the two. But if it's you driving the train, you can decide at a certain point that maybe it's not going in the right direction and take it in a different direction without having a whole bunch of cost. Like, think about the commitment that you have into a, you know, degree where you got two years in. How likely are you to say, yeah, this ain't for me? I mean, I'm sure people do it, but I'm saying without the cost where I can decide that, hey, I want to learn a lot about, you know, the technical aspects of, of the computer industry and, and, and then, you know, learn how to do it and look at the market and say, oh, you know what? It's a little weaker than I thought. Let's deviate a little bit. Let's, let's just pivot a little bit over here and maybe I open up a new market, but thank God I wasn't stuck in, in pursuing the rest of the technical, uh, thing. I got the stuff out of it that I needed to. I can always rely on that, but I can also switch over here and, and do this other thing. Uh, I know a lot of you academics are saying that's possible, but it's really not like a lot of kids and a lot of people that go through the traditional mechanisms, doesn't occur to them that they should be pursuing the practical exercise of their knowledge. They will stay on that track uh, and really until it's completed and then be super confused that they don't have any way to wheel it. I, I, went, with, I went to school with a kid who took uh, information technologies and ended up working at a gas station for a couple of years after uh, he graduated. So that's the kind of stuff that happens where I'm eyeballing what I'm going to do with it from day one. And honestly, like I'm, I'm sort of one of those compulsive, impulsive people that if on day five, I see an opportunity to start exercising the four days of knowledge uh, that I already have, I'm jumping and I'm going to go do that because the practical is why I'm there. So if I get an opportunity to jump on the practical, I'm going to shit can the, uh, you know, the academic or the, the that pathway and start practicing. Uh, and so that's why the, like the, the skilled trades are so amazing is because, you know, you, you, you're learning, but you're also can start doing either as what do they call that when you're working mentor, you know, doing a mentorship or apprenticeship, that's it. So you're doing an apprenticeship pro program, you're making a little less money, but you're making money to go to the schooling or getting the education that you need to practice the thing. And that's why I love that. But anyway, I, I kind of went down that, that rabbit hole, but that's what I want to do with the philanthropic. I don't want to give money to people. I think that is the worst exercise of philanthropy is to just do it for somebody else. I know that's what you want to do because that's what your heart says. You see someone suffering, your money can end that suffering, but I've seen it more times than not. It makes complications happen that the people are worse off after because money isn't the solution to these problems. They are a temporary band-aid that eases a little bit of pain, but then the pain uh, you know, then the pain returns later. So it's almost like if you had a headache and you took an aspirin and the aspirin would last 10 minutes. But if you knew if you took the aspirin, the headache would be worse because you didn't actually 
solve the problem with the headache. So you have a headache and there's a reason because of it. And you can take an aspirin, which masks it. But if you don't do anything, the, ha- the headache just keeps escalating and getting worse. So the aspirin magnifies the underlying problem that caused the headache. So if you knew that going into it, you probably wouldn't take the aspirin unless the, the symptoms of the headache were stopping you from correcting the problem. So if you, you know, take a breather from the, the, the pain of the circumstances and you drill all of that time into changing the circumstances, then that is the proper use. And that's why an entrepreneur like that is one pathway that moves people's traje- trajectories. So if you, if I, if I create a school where it doesn't have a lot of costs and you can go there and start getting your, get, getting the ropes, start practicing entrepreneurships, you might buy your way out of the circumstances that you were causing the pain in the first place. And that's the theory. That's uh, Across the board, that's my choice. That's what I'm going to do philanthropically is I'm going to give people opportunities to be able to change their circumstances and do it intelligently so that I can manage and gauge making sure that there's progress happening for that investment. That's what I do for a living, right? I make equity investments in companies that have the potential for increase in value. And human capital is the best investment that you can ever make. So if I told you that if you had a meth addiction and if I buy you meth, you'll be happy, but it's not going to make your addiction any better. I'm not buying you meth, right? What I'm doing is I'm maybe using the, uh, whatever Suboxone or I don't know what the drugs are that, that meth clinics give you, but temporarily give it and then help you that like the important part isn't giving you the thing that's going to stop your sickness from going away. That's the pause button. I got to grab you when you're not at your worst and then move you into something that corrects the path, right? That's, that's the, that's the deal. So I, the reason I'm connecting it with the, the lottery is because that's what I'm going to do. I'm, if I, if you give me a bunch of armaments of money that isn't spoken for, um, I'm going to drill it into people capital and have this, you know, huge audience of people that are, then can multiply that and help other people, the pay it forward model. Remember watching that movie where one person does something and all they ask in return is to do it for somebody else. And you get so many people out there uh, doing the pay it forward that you have this magnification outwardly and this ripple that goes, uh, gets bigger and bigger and even hard to track, but know that it's happening. Well, that's me. That's what I'm going to do with it. So to recap, I'm going to win the lottery. I'm going to have a protective case for my ticket. I'm going to know what the, uh, the address for the lottery place is. I'm going to have an accountant and a lawyer picked out. I'm going to give my money to John Arnold so he can park it. I'm going to make in the first point, make it super accessible so I could spend it on all the things that buy my way out of liabilities, buy some fun toys like my paragliding kit and maybe some rentals of some jet skis and some boats and maybe an airplane or two, Uh, but then make the uh, money seven days hard to get, get a hold of and, uh, and then open some kind of school for entrepreneurs uh, and teach them the ways of entrepreneurship and capitalism. So there you go. That was a 22 minute deal. If Joe won the lottery. So I hope you enjoyed that. We'll see you next time. This is the Joe Danier podcast.